I'm Marco Werman. This is The World, a co-production of the BBC World Service, PRI, and WGBH Boston. International climate change negotiators are back at it this week in Durban, South Africa. Negotiators are scrambling to make significant progress in a process that seems to have fallen far behind the urgency of the problem. Just this week, there's a new report out confirming that global emissions of carbon dioxide jumped by the largest amount ever last year. Scientists warn that the rapid growth in greenhouse gas emissions is putting the Earth on track to dangerous warming in the next few decades. But a global agreement to cut those emissions still seems a dim hope. The BBC's environment correspondent Richard Black joins us from the U.N. Climate Change Conference in Durban. Uh, It's not news to the delegates there, uh, Richard, that the Earth's surface continues to warm up and that greenhouse gas pollution is likely the biggest culprit. I'm wondering, though, how much of a jolt this new analysis gives the proceedings there in Durban to actually break the gridlock and reach an agreement on cutting emissions. Well, you're absolutely right. It certainly isn't news. And it's worth remembering that virtually all of the governments uh, here are also fully signed up to the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, which is something that's been sounding the alarm uh, on this since 1997. So basically, we had the car crash in Copenhagen a couple of years ago when all those massive expectations of a big global deal just fell off the table with a, right. with a resounding crash. So part of what this is about is trying to implement some of the much smaller uh, bits that were agreed uh, in principle last year in the, in the summit in Mexico and then look at what's possible in the years ahead. So what are the key sticking points right now? Does it still come down to the same kind of place we've been for the last few years, uh, the inability of the U.S. and China, which are by far the largest greenhouse polluters, to commit to substantial cuts in their emissions? Yeah, it's interesting. You've got lots of these big countries that have subtly different positions. So there's no doubt, for example, that the U.S. is now being joined by Canada. Canada sees itself as it wants to parallel the U.S. as closely as it can. So both of them are unwilling to do anything looking up to 2020. China has got its own system of five-year plans. And then we have India, which over the last couple of years has been rather conciliatory, but this year has a new environment minister who's being very hardline and saying that as a major developing country, they shouldn't really have to do very much. You've got the small island states and some of the least developed countries that are very worried about climate impacts, and they're pushing for a lot of progress as soon as possible, and they're largely backed by the European Union, which also wants to get cracking on talks for a new deal as soon as possible. And as you can see, Marco, there are very different visions of what the future ought to hold. Now, the goal ultimately is an agreement on greenhouse gas emissions, but but you're saying the conference participants are kind of going to focus on smaller goals. Give us an example or two of those smaller goals and how that might lead the conference ultimately to a big agreement. Okay, so sure. So so the one in which there's probably most likelihood of actually finalising something here is what's called technology transfer. In, in the United Nations Climate Convention, it's acknowledged that developed countries should help poorer countries to develop cleanly. So one of the ways of doing this, obviously, is to transfer clean technology from the rich countries where presumably it's been developed into the poorer countries. But there are issues there, for example, over intellectual property. So how do you get an agreement there which satisfies everyone and you can actually start doing something on the ground? So that's the kind of smaller agreement that uh, may well be finalised here. But, uh, you know, I mean, the the real thing is to kind of get back to the ideas of the Kyoto Protocol. uh, And that protocol expires next year. It's the only truly global tree right now on greenhouse gases. What, What happens then? Well, that's, that's a very good question, and this is what one of the things that's brought urgency to the talks in the last couple of years. The protocol itself doesn't expire. What expires are the commitments 
that a number of developed countries have made under it to reduce their greenhouse gas emissions. So there's a lot of concern around, in the, particularly in developing countries, that if the EU and, and the other countries inside the Kyoto Protocol don't make new pledges inside that protocol, which kick in pretty soon, is the protocol a shell with no meaningful content, even though it continues to exist? That's the concern. So if the Kyoto Protocol does become a shell, as you say, and, and there is no agreement coming out of Durban, I mean, it looks like the results in Durban could potentially be pretty dismal. I mean, what is the bare minimum you expect to come out of this round of talks? Anything is possible. And when you analyze what negotiators have been putting into the public domain, obviously they don't give away everything at this stage. They probably don't give away everything until the final night. But um, it could be a complete car crash. Equally, you could emerge with all these technical things from last year being tied up and you could end up with an agreement on how to go forward another try, if you like, in, in reaching a new global treaty. Anything across that spectrum is possible at the moment. We'll be checking back in through the week at the UN Climate Change Conference in Durban. The BBC's Richard Black speaking with us from Durban. Thanks so much. My pleasure.